the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declare the grave has no claim on me then came then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried as we sang you know you are the living hope not just before not just after but right now as we live day to day would we look our eyes to you and trust in you trust in your word trust in your commandments god you are a provider you are protect a protector you are gentle you see all the things that that stress us out that bother us and lord we pray that we would be able to commit our lives to you really every breath that we take would, would be to glorify you to take every moment to really think does this moment glorify god what am i doing right now glorify you lord we pray that our lives would match the way we talk the way we walk and if we really say that we know you lord would it look like it and who we are in secret will be the same people we talk about being lovers of christ and if we are lovers of christ would we overflow like christ the Lord Jesus, would you pour into us tonight? Anybody who's walked into this place and just need a place to be filled, would it be filled by you, Lord? Would you walk in here? Would you meet every single one of us? Speak to every single one of us. Touch every single one of us and let us know that you are God, that you are living, that you are here with us tonight. And praise your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for the privilege to be able to read tonight's scripture. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. If you put these things before you, brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. 
Lord, we have sung truths that are much bigger than what we realize. We have read scripture that is much higher than what we think. Your ways, your thoughts, your doctrine, you are so much higher. You're so much greater. And it's our sinfulness, our humanness that causes us to not see you and savor you and feel you and be moved by you the way that we ought to. It is right that we pray. It's needed that we pray because we in and of ourselves have no ability to have the eyes of our hearts open to seeing these things that we've just read. Father, we ask that you'd illumine the scripture now. We are living in this time and space where we need you, Holy Spirit, through the preacher or the teacher, through the church, through the study, to make sense of these things right now. Thank you for the gift of teaching. Thank you for the gift of preaching. Thank you for the gift of learning, God. And we ask that that would be very active right now in this place. None of us here want to waste our time. None of us here want to come expecting God and leave not tasting and experiencing him myself included. We want the real thing always. We want you. And so as we have read, let us now believe. Let us experience. Let us know. God, thank you so much for your Bible. We'd be so incredibly lost without it. And right now, in this present time and place, we understand we are in a world of darkness and there's a lot of stuff going on. But we ask that you'd help us now, everyone here present, everyone online that's tuning in, help us now to focus in and give you all attention. Speak, we pray. Change us, we pray. Pour out your spirit upon us, we pray. Do this. Do this. Please, Jesus, do this. You got to do it for your glory and our good. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Um, I didn't ex- expect to be so moved by seeing my pop read scripture. That was just a, an unexpected, glorious blessing for me. Um, and, and so I just felt the need to share that. On my way here to the church too, um, I guess since we don't have announcements, I'll do just a couple of prayer requests. I've been getting texts from some of the regulars who join us. Obviously, you don't see much of the keiki tonight. And so, you know, the, the Schoen family, the, the Dort Ohana is kind of on, on their way out of the woods. But um, I thought it would be good to, for us to know and keep them in our prayers tonight. They're not feeling well, our keiki. And they served really hard last week with the bake sale. And so um, I just, you know... Thought it'd be good to mention that. Also, I got some texts from the Brown family. They're on their way, and yet um, Jerish, who we all are aware of, uh, what they're going through, she was having some pains. And so um, just, just because the Bible does say when anyone is suffering, this is James I'm quoting, you pray. Um, if anyone is sick, you call upon the elders of the church and you pray. And I really appreciated those texts coming in because they didn't need to text us the situation. And so I see that as an act of faith, that they would say, we're not well. Uh, we wish to be there, but we're not well. But can you pray? And so I thought, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of person that texts back praying for you. And then what? You don't. You've ever done that? Anyone confess that? You get a text from someone, I'm praying for that, but you don't really pray. 
Um, and so I did text them back that we're praying. And so we're going to just, as a way of kind of announcement again into this, if you don't mind, let us pray one more time, specifically, though, for the physical suffering and the healing um, for Jerish's body and the baby um, and anyone else, even in the house, if you have ailments and stuff like that, this prayer will go out for you. But specifically, let's give our attention to praying for the children um, and for their health and for Jerish and her body. And um, Gabe did the right thing. He took a U-turn and went, decided to stay home and care for his wife. And I said, well done. Um, and so let's go ahead and pray for them. And then we'll get right into the word. Lord Jesus, we come to you again, and it's so good to come into your presence again in prayer together. We want to specifically intercede for the children right now, the Sean Ohana, uh, the Duarte Ohana, and, and those keiki who might be having fevers or chills or whatever it is the, the illness is right now in this present moment, we believe that you are God and you made them and you can save them and you can heal them, you can touch them. They just need a touch from you. We pray that all the medication, all the food, all the sleep that they need right now would happen. We pray for the parents who are caring for them, that you'd fill them with strength. None of us like being sick, and it's very difficult to care for children even when you're sick. And it's painful to see a child hurting, and so we want to feel that with them right now. And if the children are listening online or watching this, help them to know and see that they have a family that not just misses them, but we love them. And we pray for them when they're hurting. And so please, God, overflow your compassionate heart by touching them right now and healing and cleansing their bodies. Do what only you can do. Remove infection, remove germs and things that is causing hurt. And Lord, King Jesus, please do a great inner healing in their souls if there is sin and things that need to be repented of and trusted in you. Let sickness and suffering always remind us that we are living in the hardships and the realities of the brokenness of this life. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why he died. And that's why he rose. Because one day, soon and very soon, we're not going to need to pray for sickness anymore. We'll be healed fully. We're not going to need to agonize over birth pains. As our sister Jerish is going through right now. Everything will be made new. So please, Lord, hear our prayers. Touch the brown home. Be with Gabe and Jer as they care for the baby. We once again renew the prayer that you grow that child's heart, that you would bring things to fruition, that for all of our children as we're praying for right now, not just those who are at home, but those in the house tonight, that all our cake you would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men, that they'd become acquainted with the sacred writings that will make them wise for salvation in Jesus. That they would be the next generation rising up to be the soldiers of light who will carry this good news to people we've never met yet. Fill them up, Lord. These are the arrows in our quiver. Not just the parents, but the church. These are all our keiki, and we love them. So thanks for giving us the opportunity to pray in this way. In Christ's name, and all God's children said, Amen. Well, I definitely believe God has our attention. Let's get into the teaching. I pray, and I've been praying, praying, praying that every week I pray, I pray this way for you guys, that whatever it is you're going through right now, presently in your week, I believe that God is so sovereign that this text 
will speak directly to you where you're at. So I hope and pray that it does so. God, help us, teach us, in Jesus' name, amen. So if I asked you to tell me, just in the spirit of the bake sale, because the kids, they did such a great job, and by the way, they raised 1400 I believe. Uh, yeah, for real. That's fresh off the press. It'll probably be in the bulletin or something. But that's so awesome. Yeah, we get to send that love offering and scatter it around Maui right now to the local churches. And it was just great to be able to connect down on the floor there and just know that grace is coming your way. And so, Keiki, if you're at home or in the house, like, you're participating in some big stuff. Um, But I was one of those last people at the big sale, but I still got something. Um, and, And I was thankful that I got the last brownie. Brownie is my kryptonite, if you don't know me. But if I were to ask you, tell me what's a good brownie, I'm sure if I were to ask each of us individually, we would get different answers. Like you might say a good brownie is a crispy brownie, the corner. There's only two people in the room that think that's so. A good brownie is one that's nice and warm and soft and gooey. A good brownie is the evenly baked. It's just consistent all the way through. Okay, see, so I see various... Head nods, smiles, and eh, right? Because everyone to us, like the goodness of the brownie, what you define good is different. If I were to ask you, what's a good movie to go watch? And someone says, oh, go watch this. The person next to them would be like, what? Or the person next to them would be like, that's such a good movie, right? Or if I were to say, you know, tell me what is a good car to buy or brand of slipper to wear. Everyone's definition will vary when it comes to good. If I were to ask you, what is a good servant of Jesus Christ? We're all going to have varying opinions. You might think a good servant or a good minister or a good pastor or just a good serving Christian is someone who is popular and everyone follows them. You might think a good servant of Christ or a good minister is someone who's written a lot of books or maybe he has a good educational background, or you might say a good servant of Jesus is someone who's hilarious and funny or just always passionate, always filled with charisma, uh, whatever you and I might think, or what, when you think of what's a good servant of Jesus, we can all have our opinions, but let, let us look at the text tonight because regardless of whatever our opinions are, God has defined this for us in Scripture. God has told us what is a good servant of Christ Jesus. All so far through the letter, Paul has been teaching this church of what is a bad servant, right? He's speaking about the false teachers, correcting even in the church how these relationships between men and women is bad. Um, And then he takes a whole chapter to talk about leadership because the leadership is bad. And now as he kind of continues on in the context and the theme of the letter of growing in godliness, he kind of shifts it straight at Timothy. I mean, the whole letter is addressed to Timothy, but he's going to now define and affirm and encourage Timothy. Like, this is what a good servant is, bro. We spent a whole lot of time talking about bad. Well, let me just highlight and make very clear for you and the church and for us here 2,000 plus years later, what is a good servant of Christ Jesus? So whatever opinions or thoughts that we might have had, it don't really matter because God has it right here. So let's listen up to what God says a good servant is. Because my prayer has been 
that, oh, Lord Jesus, right here at Newton Baptist, with all of us here, all of us online, everyone in our church, please let us be good servants. There's a difference, right? There is a difference then of, of a servant and a good servant. Why would the whole Bible specify that? There's a difference, John 10, between a hired hand, that's a servant, a worker, and someone who actually loves the sheep. There's a difference. When you die, because that day is coming, just to remind us, for the Christian, that's not a scary reminder. But when you die, will you and I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? I had to ask myself really straight this week. Do I really want to hear those words? Or do I want to just put in my time right now and just, just come serve you guys? Serve the Lord. Lord, I want to be a good servant. I hope in this place all of us would desire to be good servants, bond servants, not hired hands. Let's get into the text. Bombay, we'll be here all night. Verse 6. So, Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Let's pause there. If you put these things before the brothers, what are these things? Well, let's just look close context. What did he just tell, tell them about? The things that he was just talking about. He was doing a hard talk. In the end times, in the last days, people can turn from the faith. That's a hard talk. No? What else are these things? Well, he's been talking all about the letter, about the gospel and sound doctrine, and real, legit Christianity. You think everything up until this point, if you were tuning into the letter, you think it was a hard letter to swallow? I mean, an easy letter to swallow? No, he, this is a hard, this is hard, these are the things that Paul is saying, Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, if you really warn them, warn them of apostasy, teach them how to expose abusive teaching, Teach them how to read the Bible rightly and experience true grace. If you put these things before the brothers, if you put the word of God before the brothers, because he's going to hit that note again and again in chapter 4, and then into the second letter about preaching the word. These things, Timothy, if you lay it down, then therefore you are, that is a good, a good servant of Christ Jesus. First point is this. A good servant of Christ will lay down his life like Christ and lay out the truth like Christ. Lay down his life. The reason why I put that in is because when I did a word study on the put these things before, hupothethemi, you know what's crazy that came up in the dictionary was to risk one's life. I was like, wait, what? To lay down one's life. It's the same Greek word used in Romans 16.4 when it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their necks for me. That's the same Greek word. They risked it, meaning they lay it down. Who does that? Christ lay it down, John 10. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, the hired hand, the bad servant, the not good servant, he sees a wolf come in and leaves the sheep. Why? Verse 13, this is John 10. He flees because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own. 
Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father because I lay my life down for the sheep. This is the picture that this phrase is saying. It's, it's, it's I'm going to lay it down. You want to be a good servant of Christ? You're going to lay it down like Christ. Now, what's the risk here? Why, why would Paul use this word? And if it means what it means, well, I'm thinking to myself, if it, it takes some guts to put these things before brothers. It takes guts to speak truth. Why? Why would this be a risk? Because when you speak the truth, even if it's in love, sometimes what happens? You get hated on. You see, a false teacher is not going to put these things, the full counsel of God before brothers. You know why? Because they want to be popular. A false teacher is not going to talk about repentance. A false teacher is not going to talk about false doctrine. A false teacher is not going to point things out that causes you to look within and actually feel convicted. That's why later in the letter, he's going to say there's a bunch of people that want teachers that just tickle their ears. But Timothy, you want to be a good servant? Put these things before the bros. And I'm telling you, bro, it's risky business. I had to ask myself, am I willing to risk it for you guys? Risk what? Risk you liking me. Risk you wanting to be affectionate towards me. Because there are going to be times where all of us as brothers and sisters are going to have to tell each other the truth, even if it hurts. That's risky business. But that's what Christ did. You see, equipping the body, building up the saints, it requires speaking truth and love. And if you're going to do that, Timothy, if you're going to do that, Nu'uanu, Laying out the truths of the word of God before each other is a risk. Do we love one another to lay it down like that? Right now, let's just get more practical. You have a brother or sister in your life who you know professes to be a believer, but they're in sin. Will you put these things before them? Because a good servant of Christ would. Someone else will talk to them about it. I heard, I saw, I noticed, but you know, it's not my kuleana, is it not? Are you not your brother's keeper? Jesus with the woman at the well, what did he do? He put these things before her. He spoke to her adultery. Why? He loves her. When Peter on the, on the, uh, at Sister Philippi, when he was speaking about his suffering to come, and Peter said, no, 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 Jesus, you're not going to suffer like that. What does he do? He calls out his satanic thinking. Get behind me, Satan. you got to mind the things of man, not the things of God. What is Jesus doing? He's putting these things before the brothers. A good servant of Christ is willing to lay out the truth like Christ. Church, this is a hard word. Don't breeze by this. Paul is saying, Timothy, you want to be a good servant like Jesus? you got to be willing to lay your life down. Because the truth will not be popular in this world. And you got to be willing to lay out the truth. But Ephesians says, our license to do this is love. Speak the truth in love. I love that God gives us his word and lays it down. Look at this book. Aren't you thankful he never gave us one pamphlet? He gave us one fat, thick volume of a text. 
You know why it's so big? Because his love is so big. So much God loves you and I. See, a good servant, a good pastor, let's pray for the future pastors in this church, will keep putting these things before us and our children and our children's children. They're going to be the people who are willing to lay it down and lay the truth out. Pastors aren't called to pet the sheep and pamper them. They're called to protect the sheep by putting these things before them. Lay it down, lay it out. It's not just tough love, guys. It's true love. This is true love. So when we're sitting in my study and you're dealing with a particular sin, and I bring before you this verse because I am fearful for the state of your soul, and even though it pinches and it hurts you, please hear this. I am trying, we are trying our utmost to be good servants of Christ Jesus, and we do this because we love each other. Question is, do we love each other this much? I pray that our church would always be a church that is filled with brothers and sisters that will put these things before each other because we're good servants. Let's keep going. A good servant lays it down like Christ, puts truth out like Christ, and then he is being trained in the words of the faith. Pause. Being trained. That's present active verb. That's important. Why? Because it's not, it's done. He's continually being trained. Being trained, being educated, and I like, uh, I think, I forget who said it over here. Was it Bruce? Nourished? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's the word. To be nourished in the mind. Right? Minds for molding. He's being trained in the words of faith. What's the words of faith in the context of this? What is the faith that they are trusting in? The gospel. Colossians 1.23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting, the hope of the gospel that you've heard, that is this faith. So here's the point. A good servant of Christ is always growing in his or her understanding of the gospel. Always growing. Keiki, older people, young people, everyone, gospel is not something that you do in the beginning and then you graduate to some other Bigger teaching for discipleship. The gospel is always the discipleship. We're always needing to grow in this. So much of us need milk. But here's the thing. It really is. We need to be trained. We need to be educated. We need to equip. Can you articulate the gospel? If someone off the street were to ask you, why do you believe what you believe? Can you tell them with clarity in 10 seconds I was golfing with someone this week, and we were walking, and he caught wind that I was a pastor. So he just kind of nosied up next to me. Oh, pastor. Um, so anyway, you're down for some, like, and he kept using the terms. Um, what did he say? Like full blow, or just like big, big questions. Are you, um, loaded questions. Are you, are you down for some loaded questions? So all through the round, guess what he's asking me? Questions of my faith. If I don't know the faith, if I'm not educated and trained and being trained, I'd be fumbling all over the course and not knowing what to say. Is that us, though? Are you growing in your understanding of the gospel? The words of the faith? Here's a question. 
are, do you really want to learn more? I believe you do. You're here on a Wednesday. That's a great, great fruit of it. But Tantaran people aren't teachable. You know, in Luke 10, it says this, Jesus saying, Father, heaven, uh, Lord of heaven and earth, you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, speaking of the Pharisees, all the people that think they know it all, but you choose to reveal your, these things to little children. Such was your gracious will. We must never stop learning. I love it when children are here learning. They teach me and disciple me so much, and I want to have that. I want to keep that. I don't want to come to a place in my faith where I think, oh, yeah, I know already. That's a dangerous place to be. Timothy, you and the Ephesian church, don't get there. Don't be like that. Don't be know-it-alls. No know-it-alls in NBC, please. No no know-it-all attitudes. Let's all remain humble and teachable. I love even the one who wrote this letter, Paul, at his very deathbed. 2 Timothy 4.13, he's saying, hey, can you bring all the books and above all, can you bring the parchments? He's about to die. He's in jail and in lockdown. What does Paul want to do? Keep reading, keep writing, keep learning. William Tyndale, a great English reformer in the 16th century, who was not just a pastor but a translator for the Bible, gave his life for that stuff. When he was in jail, about to be executed the next day, he writes to the governor and he says this, Can I have a cap? and a candle, and a cloth, but above all these things, if you can't get me the cap, the candle, and the cloth, please bring me a Hebrew Bible and a dictionary. He's going to die the next day. But what does this man want to do? Keep growing in the gospel. I don't know about you, but perhaps there's a heart tonight, hearts tonight. You've been walking with the Lord for some time, whether it's short or long, But if you're honest with yourself, your hunger for this book has been growing dim. It's hard for you to open the Bible. And if that's you, this is the word tonight. The gospel, you just know to say it's great and glorious. But nothing inward here is true to that. Your life doesn't show it. It's purely a chore to be in the Word of God. Now, just pause and think about that. The Word of God? Wait, no, no. This is the Word of God? You know, I need to sit at a park and say that to myself for about 30 minutes for it to finally hit my heart. Wait, the the Bible's the Word of God? Like God's Word? I have God's Word in my hand? Wait, no, God's Word? Like God. God's Word. I have letters at home that I keep from my wife. You know why it's precious to me? It's my wife's words. I have letters from my children and even my nieces. I keep it in my study. You know why it's precious to me? It's my children's words. When's the last time you looked at this book? He said, that's God's word. If you are not stirred in your affections for this book, It's a reflection of your affection for the author. I am affectionate for my wife's letters of love to me because I love my wife. If you lose affection for this book, it just reveals to you and I of our affections towards the author. Something has gone wrong. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in all of the Psalms. It's the Mount Everest of the Psalms. You know what the bro goes off on? 
for the whole psalm his obsession of the Bible. The biggest psalm in all of Scripture. I don't want... Let me give you an excerpt. Psalm 119. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. My lips, I want to declare all the rules of your mouth and the way of your testimonies. I delight as much as in all riches. I'll meditate on your precepts. I'll fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's six verses of this massive psalm. I read stuff like that and I'm like, how does, how does someone get that into this? Is that possible for me? If we don't want to press in and actually experience these things, guys, we're not going to remain people that are being trained in the words of faith. We're going to be trained to a certain degree and then think you know it all, and then you're going to peter off and just lose fire. Everything's just familiar, but no fire. See, a good servant of Christ is always growing always growing deeper and richer and truer in his or her understanding of this great, glorious gospel. The words of the faith. Psalm 111, great are the works of the Lord, studied, studied by all who, here's the word, delight in them. This is not about being brainy. And scholarly. This is about being lovers and delighters of God. And that's seen in how you and I are constantly being trained rigorously in doctrine. Are you stirred with affection for Bible study? If you are, because I believe many here are, God has a great anointing on you, and here's the warning keep being trained. This is a great warning for the pastor. If you ever smell on me, know-it-all attitude, stop, drop, and pray for my heart. If anyone thinks he knows, he knows not what he ought. I don't want to be a know-it-all. I want to know more of Jesus every day of my life. And I want to stay humble and hungry till the day I die. Do you? Let's keep going. And the good, so a good servant of Christ, always growing in the gospel. Let's keep it firing. And of the good doctrine that you have followed. So let's just keep blasting points away. We're defining a good servant of Christ. A good servant of Christ practices what he preaches. That's simple, right? So Timothy, it's not just good doctrine that you teach and preach. You actually follow it. The word. To follow faithfully after. That's what it literally means. Paul's affirming Timothy. Yes, practice what you preach, Timothy. Like um, Brian brought up, you're not a hypocrite. Here's the point. That's a good servant of Christ. They practice, they practice what they preach. Here's a question for those of us who are here on Sunday. What was the text? I'll give you the book, Luke. What was the chapter? Seven, Right? Alabaster jar, remember that? What has we followed from that since then? Last week was on 1 Timothy 4, apostasy, whatever you're reading in your devotionals. Here's a question. This is sound doctrine you're reading. Yes, amen. But are you and I 
following? Are we doing something? Are we practicing? Jesus warned, Matthew 24, verse 3, of the Pharisees. They preach, but they don't practice. That's what it says. May the Lord never say this of any of us. May our words and deeds always be in harmony with one another. It's a simple truth, but just pause and ask yourself right now. Do you just like to talk doctrine? Or are you really walking in it? I had this realization for you guys as I was praying for our church. That me as a pastor, my greatest quality that I will have for you as your pastor, my greatest quality is my personal holiness. It's not my education. It's not my eloquence, because I'm not very eloquent. It's not my giftedness, not my age, not my looks, not my humor, not my passion. None of that is the greatest quality that I could be to you. You know what's my greatest quality to you? Is that the stuff I talk about I actually live. And that's the greatest quality we can all give to each other. These are so rich words. Do you see it? The good doctrine that you followed. Paul is just spitting just loads and loads of wisdom for us to glean from. So please, church, learn to be a believer who walks the talk. Don't merely say, right, Uncle James or Apostle James? Do. Faith without works is make. Right? Pray as you read your Bible. Even now as you take your notes, I see you taking notes. My prayer is this. Put out ways in your notes. In my sermon, even in my sermons, I have, I have places for my own personal application where it's like, even sometimes when I'm teaching, something will come to my mind. And if I have my pen, I'd write it down for myself. Because I'm trying to learn from the Spirit of God just like you tonight. What's going to change because of what I just read? That's how we got to think. Let this doctrine change our days. And let's keep on moving. We're almost pal. So the good servant of Christ practices what he preaches. He's always growing in the gospel. Verse 7. Had nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Nothing to do. That's such strong language, right? Irreverent, worldly. It's another word of saying unhallowed. Like this is common people can trample on this. So have nothing to do with common, worldly, silly myths. He's describing, he's using in their language like old wives' tales. So it's like, it's like crone-like tales. And the only reason why they say it old wives, I had to look this up, is because back in these days, women are typically not educated. So they would say that phrase as like, whatever that's saying, that's like an old wives' tale. There's no credibility to what she's talking about. It's just a fairy tale. So that's what Paul is saying. He's like, dude, have nothing to do with all this silly stuff, all that false teaching, the other stuff that was talked about earlier in the letter. Never mind that kind of stuff. Rather, train yourself. He uses this word three times for godliness. And then he gives an illustration. While bodily training is of some value. So Christian, it's got some value. The push-ups is good to do. To the glory of God. Go for it, bro. You have some physical goals, physical gains. You want to eat better, lose 10 pounds. That's one of my goals. That's got some value. It's good. But he's using this as a springboard to say in the same way that taking care of your physical health is good. Look at this. Godliness 
is of value in every way. This is way more valuable. Godliness is in value in every way. It holds promise for the present life. So the here and now. So you're in my training. Our spiritual disciplines, our love for the Bible, our growing in the gospel has got promise and blessing for the here and now. But not just the here and now. And the life to come. Now and forever more. You see what he's trying to do? Here's the point. A good servant of Christ isn't distracted by worldliness, right, that you reverence silly myths, but rather focused on godliness. Why? He's got his values in check. You see, our problem is we have it lopsided. We value physical training way more than we value training in godliness. Honest kind, how, much, how, much, how often you look in the mirror? Right? That's not a bad thing. It's got some value. Like, please fix yourself up if can. But it's just, if we have the values cup of kai, Paul is saying you're missing out. Your inner person, your Christ-like character, your godliness, your personal holiness has the greatest value. I joke about this with my wife. I was like, oh, if, if they had like a spiritual mirror where like you look in the mirror and you could see how your physique is, I ask her, how ripped you think I'd be? <laughs> and she'd be like, babe, you, because I'm looking in the real mirror at my body. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, oh, I wish there was a spiritual mirror to show me how ripped I But, I mean, can you imagine if there was such a thing? You know, James says there is such a thing. He calls it the word, the law of the Lord. The one who merely hears the law of the Lord is like, and then and doesn't do anything, is like a guy who looks in the mirror, and when he leaves, he forget what he looked like. So you want to look into a spiritual mirror to see how fit you are spiritually? Open your Bible. Do this, just as for fun, practical application. Every time you look in the mirror, right after that, try to go look in the Bible. Just to show yourself. Just to show ourselves where our values are. Because church, right now, I'm physically looking at you, but the Bible is teaching me that our training in our inner person is the greatest value. Oh, if we could only see each other inside and train with each other to be beautiful on the inside. That's what good servants of Christ do with each other. I love the term train. It is the word gymnazo. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a physical, rigorous, body-mind discipline. I want to th- ask yourself this, those of us who have a devotional life, Would you describe it as hardcore training? You sweat in that prayer room. You wrestle with scripture. You ask brothers and sisters to speak truth, hard truth into your life. You're on the verge of temptation. What do you do, man, woman? How are we training? Are we distracted by the things of this world? Tonight, the word of God is telling us, Rather, focus on your training in godliness. That's the greatest value. That's the greatest gain. It's going to be the supernatural power of the Spirit to open our eyes to see that that's gains. Would you rather, boys, have a six-pack or know the Bible through and through? Honestly. You know, people train for what they treasure. It's true. Think of all the things that people train really hard at, whether it's sports or finances 
or occupation. They put a lot of hard work in to get good at. Why? Because they treasure that. How about this? I love you guys because you're here tonight to train. Let's, let's look at Bible study and services and small groups as training. I'm here for grapple. I'm here to sweat. I want to get challenged. I want to grow. I love training. I love that word, training. When soccer was my forte, I knew I treasured soccer because even though we had two practices a week, you know how much I trained? I had three days, five times a week for myself. So there would be the team practice, and I would practice before and after. Who made me do that? Not the coach. My heart wanted to grow. When it comes to godliness, we struggle with five minutes in the morning. And if you're there tonight, and I empathize with you, because just because I've been walking with the Lord maybe a little longer than some of you, that tension, that struggle is still there for me. In and of my own flesh, I don't like train. I would rather in your flesh just go to a church that's nobody's going to really train with me today. I'll just come sit, hear an inspirational word and slip out and no real pressing into convictions. No real working on this man. Let me just come do some time and then shoots. Love you, brother. See you Sunday. Praise the Lord. But nothing inside here is growing. But who wants to come and actually get trained? I'll tell you. Good servants, disciples of Christ. God, let that be us. Let's keep moving. Almost pow. So a good servant of Christ isn't distracted by the world, but they're focused on growing in godliness. Verse 9, the saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance. Amen to that. Let's fully accept this word, guys. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. For to this end, Cammy brought this up. This is the goal. This is the end game. This is the point for all of our training, all of the risking it. You know what's happening in this church? People like Timothy and Paul who really risk it all, put these things, they're getting thrown in jail. They're getting beaten and bloodied and persecuted. Some are losing their lives. But to this end, new one, if we're going to be a church that carries the true gospel into the next generations, we need to be trained. Like you got to have gospel grit. You got to have conviction that the truth that's not, not going to shake us. So that even if we're persecuted, even if they call this gathering one day illegal, because what the preacher is preaching deemed by the world is hate speech. And you might be visiting me in jail or whatever. Like this, this end is why we do what we do. All the spiritual disciplines you're trying to cultivate in your life, all the hardcore accountability you're trying to put in your life, this is the goal, this is the aim. It's not just for discipline's sake. It's because we have our hope set. Our hope, our elpis, our expectation. This is our hope. The living God. You know why Paul says that? It's, it's, it's a way of sucker punching the, the culture that Tucker was talking about where everyone 
worships other gods, all those other gods ain't living. They're dead. That piece of wood don't talk back to you. That idol can't save you. But this is our hope. We have a living God, the one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's alive tonight. When you and I die, we're going to see the living God. That's our hope set. Think of all the pain you've put yourself through for the cause of Christ. All the serving, all the giving, all the bleeding, all the sweating, all the the times in prayer, all the hopeless, strange nights of, I don't know what's going to happen, but you're holding on to your faith. All that labor toil. The teasing from your friends, the outcasting of your family, all that toil. This is our goal. The living God, who's the Savior of all people, His common grace, He is good to all. But especially this peculiar saving grace to the believers, the eternal salvation. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. This is our living hope. Here's the last point to close. The goal of all of our godliness is to be with God. It's to experience God. It's to know and be known by the living God. We train for what we treasure. So here's the question. What do you treasure? And if your answer is God, then you will be someone that trains. We train for what we treasure and we treasure him. Is that not true? Is there an amen in your soul? This is the living God. This is the end of it all. Ask yourself at the end of the night, why would you go to Bible study? Why would you talk to that coworker? Why do you do what you do? Those of you who serve in this church, and I thank the Lord for you, why are you serving in that way? Many of you here, you've grown in your capacity of the things you're doing in this church. You were once serving in this way. Now you're serving in many ways. Let me ask you, why are you doing that? What's the goal? What's the end of all that labor and toil? For me as a preacher, what's 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 all what am I doing all this for tonight? Isaiah 26, 8 and 9. Your name and your remembrance is the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you. My spirit's earnest to seek you. Brother Khalil preached this a couple weeks ago. One thing I've asked of the Lord, this is what I seek. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord, gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. God's our greatest treasure. He's what fuels our fire. So we train hard and we serve well. And one day, Nu'uanu, I pray, all of us here, all of us here will hear this. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now come on. Enter into your master's joy. At the end of all this, I want to meet my maker I want to know God. I want to experience more of God. So I'm going to go to sleep tonight. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And I'm going to trudge out onto my porch. And I'm going to sit down and look at that tree with my Bible open and my coffee. If Sam's made it already. I'm going to stare into his face. I'm going to pour my heart out before him. And say one day I'm not going to have to pray with my eyes closed and see nothing. I'm going to see you face to face. 
You've got to believe in everything you say you are. So I'll get up and I will love my wife. I will love my children. I will love my church. And I'll gladly spend and expend and give my guts and all. And if I die today, thanks be to God. Because this end, my, the end of it all is this. My hope set on the living God. And then I'll go to bed. And I'll wake up. And I'll do it again. And again. And again. And I'll train and train and train and train with as many brothers and sisters who want to train until that day of glory. Let's do this together, church. Wherever we are tonight, here's my prayer. All of us get up. Let's train. Let's grow in the gospel more than we've ever before. Let's know God sweeter than we've ever before. Let a never, ne, don't let another day go by where you're not closer to Jesus. God, do this in us. This is a good servant of Christ Jesus. Matthew 25, 23 in closing. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. God, the great servant king, you set the example, and we all confess that we fall short. We don't serve you in this way, and yet there's hope for us tonight. Perhaps there are souls that have been dabbling with myths and silly things or worldly things. Perhaps we've been hypnotized by the things of this life and we put so much more attention and affection on stuff that honestly, it's not going to last a hundred years from now. It's not going to be around a thousand years from now. We've chose to invest ourselves in things that won't matter. So we pray that by your word, you would correct us. We'd repent tonight and bring that to the cross. We pray that if we've come to a place of thinking that we know it all already, and we've lost fire and desire to keep growing in the gospel. Humble us, Lord. Make us like Keiki to love and learn and savor these truths. You've given us a big Bible. And there's a lot we don't know yet. And Father, I thank you so much for this community. I pray that everyone in this room and everyone online and everyone in our church would be able to train with someone. I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would give supernatural creative ideas to all my brothers and sisters and myself of how am I going to train better tonight? What's going to change? Pray that phone numbers would be exchanged. Meetups would be happen. Stuff, something. Do it, Lord. Just, just cultivate an atmosphere of good, hard training and godliness with you as our goal and our aim. Help us to treasure you. Do this, we pray. So as we sing, Spirit of God, keep working on us and bring these things into fruition. Thank you so much for the cross that makes all this possible. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord.
Folks, we're, as Pastor said tonight, we're doing some spiritual CrossFit, right? It's appropriate that way. It's the cross of Christ that makes us fit. Father, help us to seek you, to know you, and to be known by you. Lord, help us to see that we deserve nothing. And we do this, Lord, by looking into your good book, the gospel. Thank you for that precious gift, the mirror that shows us what, what we are, Lord, what our current state is. We're not ripped. We're not ripped without you, Lord. Help us not to be deceived in that way, to chase those silly things those silly teachings and those words that are anything but from you, Lord. Help us to treasure your word and what you have to say about us, what our current state is, what sin is, and who you are, Lord. You made the most amazing gift of it all, Lord. Let us not chase for the things of this world, the highest of all of your creation is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he be our true treasure today and forevermore. In your name, amen. Go in his peace.